Imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women. Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global podcast episode. I'm so happy to welcome each and every one of you to today's program, where we'll be speaking with Paulina Tenner. Paulina is an entrepreneur, a seed investor, an angel investor, a startup mentor, an author, a TEDx speaker, and the founder of Grantree, a firm designed to help tech startups navigate the very complex world of government funding. This week, we're going to be speaking with Paulina about how to attract investors' interest as a female founder. And I got to tell you, this is such a fascinating subject, such an incredibly important topic. And as many of you know in our audience today, raising finance for your startup can be challenging, especially if you are a female founder. So today, you're going to learn precisely what it takes to be ready to pitch to investors, how to attract their interest and make your pitch compelling, whether you're pursuing angel investors funding or venture capital firm funding. We'll discuss the different types of funding available and how to choose the right type for your business and what it takes to begin investment conversations with angel investors as well as venture capital firms. But before we jump in, let me tell you a little bit about Paulina. As I said, Paulina is an entrepreneur, an author, a startup mentor, an angel investor, a TEDx speaker, and the founder of Grantree, a firm designed to help tech startups navigate the complex world of government funding. Get this, since 2010, the team grew organically from two to 50 and raised over 200 million pounds for more than 600 technology startups and scale-ups. And that was using solely government funding schemes such as R&D tax credits and Innovate UK grants. That's amazing. Grantree is also an open culture company which pioneered a self-set salary scheme and an empowering culture governed by holacracy. So Paulina is in such a remarkable position to be able to guide and direct us about how to think about preparing each of our businesses for funding and how to attract investors' interest as a female founder. Thank you so much for being with us today, Paulina. It's an absolute pleasure, Linda. I'm a great fan of what you do at Leadership Global, and um, I'm really, really happy to be on the show today. So thanks so much for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure and honor, Paulina. Thank you so much. Now, to begin with, tell us a little bit about your journey. What led you to have such passion around entrepreneurialism and investing in startups? Sure. So I arrived in London in uh, 2006. And perhaps a year after I originally came to London to study, uh, I got a scholarship at University College London and um, 
maybe a year into my um, stay in London, um, I have discovered meetups and networking events for startups. And I got utterly fascinated by how much chutzpah and uh, belief those people had that they are actually in a position of power to change something in their industry or, you know, on a global scale sometimes. And I thought, oh my days, I really want to be one of them. So I started my first business, then I started my second business. And um, both of those businesses were actually focused on supporting startups uh, with funding and a variety of other things. And um, I always wanted to be in a position to actually invest in startups myself. That was always my dream. I just felt that would be such a fabulous way of giving back to the scene and such a fabulous way of kind of like supporting um, the the community. And uh, when I made enough money to be able to put something aside, because you should never invest money that that you cannot afford to lose, and that was about five years ago, I started investing uh, small amounts, 10 to 20,000 pounds per startup, And I'm now in an exciting position that I'm about to uh, launch a fund where I'm going to be investing uh, someone else's money. So I'm going to be a fund manager. It's it's a very exciting development in my career. And it really takes me so much closer to that, that dream I had many years ago of being able to invest in startups. So here's a short story of mine. That is amazing, Pauline, and congratulations. You know, only 12% of venture capitalists are actually women, and over two-thirds of VC firms don't even have any female partners, so you are in a very elite position right now. In fact, much of the responsibility for boosting diversity in the startup world actually lies in bringing that diversity into investment firms. So you're doing that. You're representing women in investing and bringing that diversity into investment firms. What can women do to help overcome that bias that most venture capitalist firms don't have any women? In fact, over two thirds of VC firms don't have any female partners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I found somewhere statistic that, yeah, you're right. 11% of VCs, only 11% of VCs are women. 29 or so almost 30% of uh, angel investors in the US are women. So that's much better. But angel investors typically come in at the earlier stages of a business. What can women do to overcome bias? Um, First of all, stand your ground. Know that you're worthy of pitching for investment and of winning it just as much as your male colleagues. Um, Really identify those female-led startup role models who can help you provide introductions, perhaps, to investors. Scan through your network. Who do you have in your network? And by that, I mean family, friends, but also ex-colleagues, colleagues that um, might be willing to support you on your journey. And you'll likely find people that might be able to uh, invest a small amount in your business or introduce you to someone who can. Um, So bear in mind that it's not necessarily a disadvantage that you're a woman, not at all. 
it's been proven with data that diverse teams perform much better. So um, startups with a mixed funding team perform on average, I think, 63% better or something like that. And it's also been, been proven that on average, women provide more return on investment than all male teams. So uh, that's also really interesting. So you're actually at an advantage and um, learn to use the fact that you stand out, that you're different to your advantage because um, it's actually a position of strength. I love that, Paulina. And, you know, overcoming unintentional or intentional discrimination starts with exactly what you said, being fearless, being resilient, and fully exploring all potential options. So, for instance, many government agencies have specific loan programs for women-owned businesses. There are angel investment firms and grant institutions that specifically lend to women. And additionally, with the rise of fintech startups, there are lots of new funding sources, such as peer-to-peer lending sites. So how can women explore these options and decide on the very best path for them? Absolutely. So um, you have to get real and have a, like a very honest conversation with yourself in terms of what you want to achieve in your business and how much are you also prepared to sacrifice in terms of your personal life or family life, for example. So If you're going to go down the route of venture capital funding, uh, you're going to have to be prepared to build a very successful business very, very quickly. So um, VCs look for high growth, highly scalable businesses with a potential to grow by a factor of between 10 to even as much as 50 times in you know, about five years. So it's huge growth. And you need to be prepared to build a kind of business that will be worth in those five years, maybe a few hundred million dollars or more. So it's a big sacrifice also in terms of kind of the time that you will have in your personal life to focus on other things other than your business. Um, Bear in mind, you can build a a very successful business with just angel funding. So angels are typically high net worth individuals who invest their own money and are not as demanding typically as venture capitalists. And you can build a very successful business with no funding at all. So my second business, Grant Tree, uh, which is a grant fundraising consultancy, we have over over 50 people um, these days. We've never taken any external funding apart from grants. And um, I don't, in fact, think because of our kind of consultancy, well-established consultancy type business model that we're particularly investable either. So you have to get real. Does my business have the kind of scalability potential to attract investor interest? And what kind of business do I really want to build? How much am I prepared to sacrifice? That's very important conversation to have with yourself. Yeah, that's such great advice, Paulina. And and I think that's a decision that 
founders, business owners, entrepreneurs need to make early on is do I want to have a lifestyle business or do I want to have a growth oriented business? So really smart to to think about that. And Paulina, your core area of fundraising is, is focused on early stage startups. So how does an early stage startup differ from a more established business when it comes to pitching the opportunity to investors? What do early stage startups need to focus on uniquely separate from more established businesses that may be courting venture capital funds? Okay, so I actually have been invested in investing in early stage startups. That's kind of my specialty. And those companies are harder to evaluate because they won't have those kinds of metrics in terms of their kind of revenue, client acquisition, client retention. They usually are just about to start getting clients in or maybe have a couple of pilot clients. Um, and those kinds of businesses, it's very, very important that you assemble the right team around you so that you can present yourself as someone who um, can be impressive to an investor in terms of your track record. And if you haven't run startups before, you basically you can talk about your or you can pitch your experience in the industry. Um, and it's very important for the investor to see that you have a team where all the skills that are going to be needed to develop this business are covered. So um, work with co-founders, work with um, or colleagues that will, are basically good at that, which you don't excel at. And everybody has things that they're great at, things that are, that are okay at, and things that are shit at. I've got loads of things that I'm shit at. So um, you need to be aware of that. So what really matters to early early stage investors such as myself is first and foremost, the team, how good, how solid the team is. Um, It matters what vision that team has got. So what's the so-called moonshot goal? So uh, what's your five to 10 year vision of what you'd like to achieve if everything goes well? Uh, I need to be inspired by that vision. And also, I need to have a sense that apart from a moonshot goal, that team has got a very clear idea what steps they need to take right now in the next six months to get closer to that vision. So there needs to be a practical sense that they have around, okay, these are the things that we're going to do. And unless they have some early revenues, which is ideal, because that proves to me that they can sell whatever it is that they're offering. And that's hugely important. Unless they have that, I would love to see that they have spoken or surveyed a variety of um, potential customers and they have data to prove that what they're looking to develop is needed. What they're looking to develop is wanted and will be bought essentially by the target audience. So that's very, very important. Um, so those three things I'd say, the team and the diverse team, whole rounded, well-rounded team, um, the early revenues or um, survey having surveyed the potential client base. And number three, I would say 
the moonshot goal that I mentioned. So the moonshot goal coupled with a practical sense of what they're going to do in the next six months to bring them closer to that goal. That's such great advice, especially the moonshot goal, so that they have a clear vision of what they're trying to accomplish in the world, how they are going to create impact, and you need to differentiate themselves from others in their industry or others in their across the landscape. Now, as we've mentioned, access to capital can be a really big hurdle when you're starting or building or scaling a business. So let's talk about when the time is right to seek investment. At what stage? of the life cycle, should a business actually seek capital? Is it very early on, as you suggested, with early stage startups? Or is it after they have a track record of success in three to five years and they're ready to really begin ramping up and accelerating the scale of that business? So it could be either. It's a very good question. It could be that the right stage to seek capital is very early early on. So it depends on the kind of business you run. That's why you need to establish as a founder whether you're going to need funding to develop the product. So do you have a research and development R&D focused um, R&D focused proposition, which means typically that you're going to need to raise some funding to begin with to, to develop that product. It could be that either your proposition is not R&D focused or that you have enough savings, for example, to take you through that phase. And that's always a good thing because not raising money early means that you will be giving less equity in your business to investors. So you will retain more for yourself, which is a great thing. So if you have funding to take you through that phase, then um, some startup founders, some very successful startup founders I know, only fundraised to scale. So once they have established, okay, there is interest. We've uh, sold up, we've built our product, we've sold it to some customers. Now we want money to fuel us to be able to grow faster. So um, it's up to a founder. I think, again, it's a matter of strategy, uh, figuring out what you will need money for. But regardless of whether you're going to scale, um, whether you're going to raise money at the beginning of your business or later on to scale it, it's really useful to develop relationship with investors early on, almost as early as possible, because um, an investor is not going to invest or very unlikely in someone they just met. They're going to want to have known that founder or, or that team over a period of time. Um, so what I advise many founders is to have develop those relationships early on and have a sort of investor newsletter, for example, where they keep the investors in the network updated over a period of time, how they're doing as a business, how they are hopefully reaching their goals, what's new in their business, what's exciting about it, and somehow keep them interested and keep them in the loop. So um, the advice that I would have for founders is make sure that you know in yourself whether you're going to need to raise funding early or whether you can wait until you are ready to scale your business. And two, develop those relationships as early as possible, as in start developing them as early as possible, because it will pay off. Yeah, so smart. Thank you. Now, 
Can you help Helena describe the different kinds of investments that are available to business owners that correspond with the different stages of the business life cycle? Cool. You've made it very clear how early stage startups differ from those more established businesses that may be well positioned for VC funding. But can yeah. you explain a little bit about how the different stages of the business life cycle correspond to the different kinds of investments that are available? Yeah, of course. So I, I will kind of speak about it in general terms because things kind of change. Um, and, you know, even though, for example, I used to consider crowdfunding as something that you tend to do at the beginning of your business's journey. Recently, I've seen some very well-established businesses who, who are raising a few million um, through crowdfunding. So, um, yeah, th this is just a little caveat to say that, that it all depends. But in general terms, um, things that you would like to use at the beginning of your journey um, as, as a founder and at the beginning of your business is grants. So grants are typically there, uh, you know, issued by governments or funding bodies to help budding entrepreneurs, early stage entrepreneurs. Again, Generally speaking, because there are some grants that are applicable to businesses that are a bit further down the line. But uh, if you're an early stage founder, familiarize yourself with what grants in your geography, in your area, are, are available to businesses such as yourself. Or you can um, call up somebody like my company, Grantree, have a free consultation just to orient yourself in terms of what's out there. Um, what you should be looking at um, as a as a um, as an early stage business owner. So grants, angel investors, family and family. Before angel investors, you would typically have a so called uh, family and friends funding round, where you tap into your network, you tell your family, your friends about what you're doing, what you're building. And you raise typically small amounts of money from those people um, that will help you to get to the next stage. And the next stage is typically um, a, an angel round. So you would reach out to business angels. I have been a business angel for about five years. And uh, those individuals could invest, you know, anything from 10, 20 50 to even 100K in a business. Um, and I would say that probably crowdfunding comes at this stage, comes in at this stage. It could come at the family and friends stage as well. So crowdfunding campaigns are very useful if you have a consumer good or a product which can be kind of easily marketed to the mass audience and uh, will have a wide appeal. Um, so it's a kind of business to consumer type, type of product. Those, those type, types of offerings tend to do well on crowdfunding. And venture capital funding typically comes in once you have revenue, once you um, have proven that, that you have the so-called product market fit. Um, and Venture capital rounds are typically um, from two million upwards. Although, again, that's not a rule. A fund that I'm launching soon is a seed fund. It will invest 
250 to 500k per startup. So I will be a VC investing in very early stage companies. So that happens as well. So there are no, you know, even though, as I say, in general terms, VCs come later on in the journey, there are funds that invest earlier. So that would be it probably. And loans, uh, again, loans are kind of tricky because they can come in at any stage. Yeah, right. of business development. Thank you so much. I think you've just taken a very complex subject and broken it down in very easy to understand terms. So thank yeah. you, Paulina. Now, now that we understand sort of the funds that are available for businesses at the different life stage cycles, then what does a founder need to do to prepare for a pitch? What does a business owner need to consider when they're presenting their business to a potential investor? Absolutely. So first of all, do your research as a founder. Don't pitch to investors that don't invest in your geography, in your type of business, in your stage of business. There is so much, um, so many kind of pitch decks and um, so much information I receive and my investor colleagues receive from founders that are not really in the sweet spot of what we're looking for. So make sure that um, it's the right fit to begin with. Uh, then send something like a, uh, it could be a pitch deck, it could be a one pager, it could be a video pitch, but something that will spark the investor's interest. So don't, investors typically have very little time to um, look through kind of, um, their email and uh, kind of consider things that come in that have not been a result of an introduction. That's usually the best way to approach an investor via a warm introduction. But if you can't, that's also fine. Just make sure that you can and will attract that investor's interest through a, you know, a really clever title of the email a really interesting pitch, be it a film pitch or a pitch deck, that you give them something where they they would respond, I want to know more, where they would, they would know, okay, based on this, I really need to find out more about this business. So that would be the second thing. Um, and also get to know those, those investors, if possible, on a personal kind of human-to-human in a human-to-human capacity. So um, I'm speaking to founders uh, most evenings at Clubhouse in, in a room called Q- Fundraising Q&A with, with uh, angels and VCs. And um, it's just an example that it's possible to approach investors you know, on social media. It's possible to get to know them uh, on, on Twitter, for example, get to know what they post comment on what they post, uh, give, give them some feedback on something, um, offer an introduction. Um, just be human and helpful as much as possible, other than just trying to get to the, to the deal as quickly as possible. So um, it really helps to have some sort of a personal human-to-human relationship with an investor uh, before you kind of sit down to do the deal. Yeah, that's great advice. 
because people like doing business with people they know and trust and like. So that makes all kinds of common sense. <laughs> now mm-hmm. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask about leadership advice. As you know, you're on the Leadership Global podcast. Yes. So I'm interested in the best leadership advice that you've ever received, Paulina, that you've integrated into your own leadership style that you'd like to share with our audience. There's been quite a lot since I've had quite a few mentors. Um, Which one, which piece of advice will I pick? Probably I'll refer to what I said earlier, but advice that's been given to me uh, by um, a couple of mentors was think early or strategize early about what kind of business you want to build. And that's not just in relation to fundraising, but it's also in relation to values. It's also in relation to company culture. Um, Really take time to understand what matters to you as a founder and what you want your business to look like when it's got 10, 50, 100 people in it. Because um, the decisions you take today will inform what your business looks like when it's much bigger. So take that into into consideration. Um, Think about it. Discuss it with your co-founders if you have them. What kind of business, what kind of change do you want to see, um, do you want to make happen as a result of your business? And that will kind of usually boil down to purpose, values, company culture. Very important things. That is just wonderful. What great reminders that values are just as important to establish and to be clear on at the beginning of the business, as well as whether or not you want to be a lifestyle business, a growth business, and when you want to bring on funding, if at all. So Paulina, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of the Leadership Global podcast. And if people want to reach out to you, if they want to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to reach you? Sure. So I'm happy to give my email. That's uh, Paulina, P-A-U-L-I-N-A at littlewhale.vc, littlewhale as in the animal.vc. That's me. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you, Paulina. And thank all of you for joining us this week to listen to Paulina Tenner talk about how to attract investment funding, especially as a female founder. Paulina, thank you so much for your time. And thank all of you for joining this week on the Lead Hership Global podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Linda. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.